You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Explore Ithaca's waterfalls, orchards, and craft beverage scene. Plan your getaway at visitithaca.com. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila. Handcrafted, expert approved, with over 20 international blind tasting awards. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York, 40% alcohol by volume. Drink responsibly. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes. Hello, welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one of your hosts, Darren Bresnitz. Hope everyone is taking time to take space for themselves. It is a very heavy and complicated time in the world. So please remember to be kind to yourself, to check in with yourself, your friends, your family, your loved ones. We are going to get through this together. Today we sit down with Isabelle Legeron. You might know her as the founder of Raw Wine. And we talk about the return of the festivals, her lifelong dedication to educating people about natural wine, and how and what you can enjoy to drink this summer. And then we go deep into the Brooklyn archives to hear from Waltz. It's a great performance, something we hope will lift your spirits on this Sunday or whenever you're listening. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on HRN.
Isabel. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Uh, welcome to Snacky Tunes, coming from the beautiful countryside of the UK. Welcome, yeah. welcome to the show. Thank you it so looks much like a for a very us. sunny, gorgeous day where you are. Look, I think it is probably the hottest day uh, that we've had so far this year. Uh, we've hit 27 Celsius, which I'm not sure what's that in, in Fahrenheit, but it's not that hot in you know, Californian sort of terms, but for her, for us, it's, 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 it's very hot. You know, we feel very lucky whenever we can wear shorts and t-shirts in England. So, so we've got yes, one of those yes. days. It's always nice. You're like, okay, I have four pieces of summer fashion. I'm breaking them out today. Crisp white in the glass. Very fun. Absolutely. You never get rid of your winter wardrobe in the UK. That's for sure. No, you know, my family lives on the East coast and I just have the, the one, bulky coat, hat, gloves that whenever I got to go back to Philadelphia during the winter, I was like, well, I'll pull these out. <laughs> um, so congratulations on the return of the Raw Wine Festivals. It's been so amazing to see them happening all over the globe, especially since you were off for a couple of years. I was lucky enough to be at the one in Los Angeles. Um, what's the feeling been from both the, the producers and then the patrons who are coming to the festival as you've rolled them out in the last few months? Oh, look, it's so great to be back, you know, um, on, on many, many levels. I mean, you know, look, I mean, for, you know, first of all, I run really an events business, you know, raw wine is, is obviously much more than, than events, but, but essentially, you know, we kind of stopped working, you know, for, for over two years and, and I kept the team going, you know, it's in total, it's uh, four and a half, five of us. Um, working so you know everybody was so thrilled to be back on the road back to seeing all the growers we work with super regularly and obviously being able to to see everybody attending you know whether they're from the trade or, or you know wine lovers um, so it was really amazing you know the, the 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 so the first two fairs really we did this year where, where New York and, and LA back after the pandemic. I mean, we, we also had an event in, in Berlin in November, which was the weirdest event you would ever Why? dream of, of attending because we, we were actually the first event um, post COVID. So we, we were oh. the first event to, to close, you know, when London closed, uh, it yeah. was literally like seven days before in, in 2020, seven days before COVID was kind of officially an announced. So we, we were the, the first casualty. Um, and, and with Berlin, we reopened, I would say, the international wine fair calendar. But everybody had to wear a mask. Uh, the police mm. was all over the venue and people had to wear the mask, taste the mask. Everybody had to be vaccinated. We had to test everybody before they entered the venue. So, you know, there was a bit of a futuristic, you know, like very weird, but, but the buzz was amazing. And, and in many oh, yeah. senses, you know, people like the growers said it was their best ever uh, event. It was so busy and, and, and buzzy. Um, it was very euphoric. And it was the same in, in New York and LA, you know, in, in March this year, the, the events were smaller than, than what we're normally used to. Um, but the buzz was was incredible, and, and like the growers were so happy to be to be out and tasting and meeting, finally meeting people. Uh, no. So you know they were very special. Yeah, and you know um, I know that you've really dedicated your life to educating people about wine and, and natural wine, introducing them to it. 
this must have been such a great reminder to see people come out and be so excited of why you picked your path in the wine world. A hundred percent. You know, it's we we all the you know the, the team and I um, felt so proud that um, we were able to to put the show back on the road in 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 a way and 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 be able to 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 get all these connections going. You know, with with between the growers, the wine professionals, you know, people who love wine, um, and I think I think I hadn't I think I, I hadn't realized how much uh, the growers actually missed being on on the road until I really spoke to them when when they came to the fair. And I think it was the same for them. I think everybody had this sense of, you you realize actually we need, we need this contact, you know, uh, in in this day and age where everything is about, you know, you know, Zoom and all these, all these, all these platforms. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're a bit fatigued, but but we we kind of think that everything is replaceable, and then you you know, and to some extent it is. But I think when it's something like this, where if you think of of growers, you know, a lot of them work solo or they work quite in isolation. I would say where where they they, they don't really meet that many like minded people in their village. You know, they always mm-hmm. tend to be the outsiders. So when they come to a place like LA or like New York, and they are like in this sea of people who love their work. Uh, it feels great. Uh, and we all need that, you know, because I think, you know, we, even though, of course, natural wine is, let's call it, you know, it's booming, you know, it's, it's the growers are, are doing well and everybody's really selling wine and, and, and people are drinking a lot of natural wine. Um, but st- still, you, you know, you, you, I think it feels good to, to be reminded that there is a world out there uh, who loves these wines? Mm-hmm, um, it's mm-hmm. it's easy to forget, you know, when you go back to to the vineyard and you get a little bit of, I, I, you know, there's frost and you know, and then you don't see people and it's actually your neighbors thinks you're completely crazy and they want to <laughs> grab your vines and all all of that, which is a reality. Sure, you yeah, know, yeah, they, yeah. They, we you know there is this dual reality, and and I think sometimes it's you know, so yeah, it was it was needed, it was necessary, it is necessary. I mean, it's such a social endeavor, especially this type of wine making, where it's not just you're growing grapes, they're going off to some sort of corporate giant vat somewhere. This is more like an art of of distillation that you could apply to either music or you could apply to cooking or something like this. And this is for people who want to go out and share what they've made with other people who really appreciate it. And um, when you don't have that social interaction for two years and you're sort of stuck at home, it can get very lonely. For sure. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's even more than that, you know, in, in a way, you know, that the, these growers, and I was reminded of this when I, uh, yes, um, a couple of days ago, I was in the Southwest of France at uh, Le Puy, you know, uh, a really fantastic uh, mm-hmm, producer mm-hmm. In, in, in Bordeaux. And, then you're reminded that you know every single vine is treated as as a as an individual you know as a, as their children as their mm-hmm. child mm-hmm. um so they are so focused on 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 this like you say this art form uh this respect for their living um that you know for them being able to share this it's like it's a bit like you know during covid when you're stuck in the house i mean we you've got kids i've i've got a, a 2 year old yep. you're yeah. stuck in the house with these 
you know, one year old, two year old, and then suddenly you can go out and, and introduce your, your, your child to everybody. It's just a, it's, it's a big deal. So, you know, obviously a lot of people drinking became sort of a way that they could deal with COVID and, and uh, booze sales were up, wine sales were up. But did that trickle down to the natural wine world or did they have a different experience on the whole during the pandemic? No, I think I think I think absolutely it, it was I think this this model of, of online buying during COVID uh, went through all I would say all categories and, and natural wine was very much very much that. I think there was a very strong support uh, and I know I mean you you're based in LA and I think a lot of you know the the, the, the natural wine shops uh, did you know curbside sales and and I think there was a lot mm-hmm, of support for mm-hmm. for the businesses during during the pandemic, um, but I know that online sales you know were were booming, um, online wine clubs specializing in natural wine I know also did really well, um, mm-hmm. and things are changing now people are going back to buying you know more at the shop and you know which is which is great because drinking wine is also a, it's a it's also a social endeavor you know it's nice to go out to speak to the people who pick the wines uh, discover more wines that that that, that way uh, but there's no doubt that the pandemic you know you know was very successful for 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 many um online retail shops um you know the growers some growers i know a lot of growers struggled because they were not able to meet their importers they were not able to taste with them um mm. so as a result i know that some growers you know had and still have some stocks uh, of wine so that they are now you know working through uh, and that's where you realize that something like raw wine where you can come and present your new vintage plays a big part in in also the the commercialization of of your wine. So much of the making and selling a wine is is it's nonstop. It is always there's something always going on and you know the world stopped for a lot of us for a couple of years or forced us to to be at home more or things like that. Did you see or were there any producers who use that time to innovate or reexamine what they're making and come up with a new wine or new practice? Have you tasted anything that was grown in the last few years where you're like, wow, like this, this wouldn't have happened if we didn't have a whole world shift in the way that we look at movement and, and being uh, around each other? Yes, a, a lot, lots of innovation. I think people um, suddenly had had the time. I mean, I'm sure it's the same, you know, with, with a lot of us, you know, it's the same with, with me, you know, I was, I was able to really rethink you know, in a way, my, my business and, and how we do things and, 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 and change, you know, you know, making improvements and 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 develop new ideas, um, and for growers, it's it's the same because for the first time in in a long time, they were able to stop this sort of this this race. You know, when you work in, right. in the vineyards and do the bottling and then do ha- go on the road to sell your wine. Um, you know, I mean, for, for example, one of the um, again, I mean, this is fresh in my head. So when I was at Le Puy, uh, one of the experiments they're doing now, which is pretty awesome, is they have uh, they're doing a co- collaboration with the Swiss um, uh, Swiss University, and they've installed a some sort of like a weather station in in one of the vineyards, but uh, it's a weather station that captures spores. So they are able to detect whenever there is an onset of oidium, for example, which is a fungus, mm-hmm. uh, where there's oidium spores in the air, it tells them that suddenly, and they, they get the feed on their mobile phone, you know, the, the person who's in charge of the vineyards wow. has the feed on, on on his mobile phone all the time. And then he's able to say, oh my God, you know, there is, there's a, some spores in the air, let's, 
you know, look at what we can do. Um, so, so, you know, and they were able to sort of develop that because they were a lot more, a lot more uh, peaceful and they had the time to sort of to do, to develop, you know, partnerships like this. So to tons, I think tons of people and tons of people I realize that maybe they don't need to travel so much. Uh, so I think, mm. uh, I think now growers are also a little bit more, um, they've taken a step, a step, a step out. And I think people are enjoying the kind of slightly slower pace. I've seen that with um, wine fairs, food fairs, art fairs, and things like that with people being a little bit more discerning of where they go and when they go. It, it really felt that before half your business was just being on the road and being somewhere. And now it's being able to be a little bit more picky and saying, I want, I'm going to go to these five or six events, not all two dozen of them, but when I'm there, I'm really going to show up, which was indicative of, of the people you had at raw wine because the right, like the right, I don't want to say the right winemakers, but the the winemakers and the people I want to meet, I was like, Oh, you're all here. You all came to this one. <laughs> yes, I mean it's 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 true. You know the um, the event in LA this year was so well attended. You know mm. anybody who's anybody, I think in LA to do with natural wine came to the that's, event. That's which... the better way to say it. anybody who's anybody, <laughs> not the right people. Yes, 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 yes. That's the, no, that's anybody... the classier way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> but anybody who you know who's really interested and 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 you know came and plus. I, I was really surprised, you know, so, some some buyers who I would have thought, oh, they're a lot more in the traditional sort of, you know, stream of, of thinking and buying also came. So that's also indicating, you know, that they, there's a change and, and and in a way we still have work to do. You, you know, I think the, for me, the, you know, the, the, the really the bigger picture for raw wine and, and, and the reason why I, I, I started raw wine is because I believe that, you know, by, you know, it's it's like we you know we can change we can change the face of farming, right? We can change the face of viticulture, um, and um, one one glass of organic natural biodynamic wine at a time, you know, can have a big impact. Um, mm. And and we cut we I don't want to stop at you know the, the the usual suspects, you know, people who always you know drink natural wine, people who you always see coming at, at fairs or, or you know sure, the sure. wines joining the club. You know, we have to expand. Um, you know, there are more and more growers who are converting to organics and also embracing more natural wine practices in, in, in the cellar. And so we have to, you know, we have to keep going. You know, it's not like, oh, that's it now, natural wine is super established. You know, the bigger picture is the environment. We we really need to engage growers who are farming conventionally. They need to be inspired. They need to see that there is a market out there that people are interested. Um, and of course, you know, maybe this is a cynical way of, of looking at it and, and maybe people are going to be doing it for marketing reasons, you know, like converting to organic. But, you know, at the end of the day, maybe that's okay, you know, as long yeah. as they convert, as long as we can have an impact on the environment. Um, you know, I think it's only like five or six percent or maybe seven percent of the world's vineyards are farmed organically or something like this in terms of, you know, from an official perspective. So it's nothing. I mean, uh, I'll take... I'll take uh, organic farming with even if it's served up with a side of cynicism. Sure, whatever you want to do, as long as we get to better farming practices, I'll take it. Whatever the approach yeah. is, and that's 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 the game. You know, for, for me, um, it's it's um, it's a tough road. You know, I mean, we, things look very different now from they did fifteen years ago, where where we were the crazy ones and the outsiders and the people with a 
the insane ideas and you know wasting our times. I mean, when when I became an, a master of wine in two thousand and nine, and I really was able to focus on the stuff I love, which was organic biodynamic farming and natural winemaking. You know, people were just calling me stupid. They said, you know, you're wasting your career. You've worked so hard at becoming MW, and then now you're just wasting it by, you know, going into this dark, obscure category. Uh, but for me, it was not it was not a choice. You know, I just this is just what I wanted to do. So things have changed now, but still, still we have, you know, we still have millions of drinkers to uh, to convince. Yes. Well, let's take a quick break. And I think part of the way that you're going to convince those drinkers is by the wine club that you just launched in the U.S., which I want to talk to you after the break. We have a song from the archives here on Snacky Tunes on hrn.org.
HRN is home to transformative exchanges about food. We hope our diverse lineup of shows opens your eyes, educates, and empowers. Thanks to HRN, I ventured into the world of cooking with sumac, and I have not looked back since. I was listening to A Taste of the Past with my mom, and there was an episode about the history of American food. It inspired me to make it the subject of my final social studies project, and I ended up getting an A. Join us during our summer membership drive by donating and becoming a member. Members play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org forward slash donate to become a member today. We thank you for your support. Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are here with Isabel of the Raw Wine Festival and also Wine Club in the U.S., um, I was brought into drinking wine through people like Justin Cherno for Horseman and Jorge, uh, when he was at 10 bells. And so to me, the only wine I really know is natural wine. Like I know, I, I know there's other stuff out there, but I, I go, yeah, this is natural. Yep. Put it in a bottle. It's sort of done its own thing. Let it be funky. Let it ferment. That is not most people. So I feel very lucky and it's not very weird to me. It's not even weird. It's just like, this is just what I know of wine. I was like, oh, chilled red, serve it up. That is not the case with most wine drinkers. And I know that since education has been a part of your mission from day one, having a wine club seems like a natural fit. How did it come about? How is the education process? How are you getting people to to buy in when they're like, I only drink a dry oaky Chardonnay that I got at Costco? So you've had some great teachers. Um, I have. You know, I have been very, lucky. very lucky. And congratulations yep. to Justin and all of them for the uh, James Beard win. But yes, I feel very lucky for my teachers. Yeah, indeed. Um, well, look, uh, you know this this wine club idea came about uh, really from from I had so many you know people came come come to me and say, look, you know, we love what you do and we'd love to be able to to maybe drink more of that and have, you know, have it available at home. You know, a lot of people will come to the fairs in, in New York, LA, and we've done it in Miami as well. Um, but sometimes people come actually quite far away and they don't necessarily have access to good bottle stores. Um, so the wine club really is is a way of distilling all the stuff I, I taste. You know, I, I mean, I taste a lot of wine uh Every day for, for, you know, I do consultancy for some restaurants. Also, we have a, we have a wine shop in, in the UK, an online wine shop mm-hmm. in the UK. So I'm always tasting. And so it was a way of, you know, for me picking six, six wines a month that I love. Um, then, um, you know, we interview the, the, the winemakers or the growers and we find out, you know, how they made that wine. So, so there's a lot of information about each wine, which we make available mm. to all the, all the mm-hmm. club, all the club members. Um, and then, you know, the idea is to, to pick wines that collectively make a great bunch. They make a great uh, tasting experience. 
And, um, you know, they're all, I'm not a big fan of, of very, very flawed wines. So, you know, when I taste, I really taste for, for mouse. Um, I, I make sure that the wine is really stable over a few days um, and that they're really amazing examples of, of, of you know, where they're from um so and, and i also really focus on, on on the farming obviously the farming is is, is really important um so yeah so the, the the wine club is you know i mean it's basically six bottles every month um with tasting notes interviews from the growers and and oh my God, loads of information so it's a lot of fun that's so much fun um you know when you start talking about natural wine and even if you know wine and you know ordering it, talking about it, going to a store, it can feel very intimidating. Um, what are some of the tips if people want to get more into natural wine when they go out to a restaurant or they're in a store? Like, what are some of the key words? What can they ask? How can they sort of work with people who know a lot about wine to get them into this world to, for them not to feel so, you know, afraid to talk about it or ask or say the wrong thing? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, it's a great question, uh, and it's something I actually feel very passionate about. Uh, I think we really focused on 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 our intellect, you know, when when mm-hmm. it comes to wine. We really we we actually taste with our eyes. We taste with our head. Uh, we don't really taste with our stomach and our our our, our mouth. Li- literally speaking, you know, I think a lot of people when they pick up a glass of wine, they look at the color and their their mind is already made up as to what's going to be what's what the wine is going to be tasting like. Whereas what I I just really encourage, A, obviously when you walk into a wine store and it's a wine store that is has a reputation for, for natural wine, I think just to have an open conversation and, and, and you know, don't be afraid of, 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 of saying to people, this is what I like or, or, or even be open to any experience because, you know, one of that, my best wine experiences where wines I tasted, you know, when I actually had zero expectation as to what, what I was expecting. So I think it's about keeping an open mind. And when you have a glass of wine in, in, in your hand and it's 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 natural, it's alive, it's it can be different. And it's about tasting tasting it like you're tasting wine for the first time. You pretend you don't know this drink at all. You mm-hmm. you just you know because when you drink when you tr- drink cider or beer, you don't really have an expectation as to what tasting notes are going to come out of it or you sure. just enjoy it when you have a piece of cheese like a really great piece of cheese from from a you know farmhouse cheese you just enjoy it for what it is and so i think the key is is to just be very you know i don't know just just trust your instinct and not be drawn into you know one of the things that i i what a little bit of my my i would say you know, something I find a little bit annoying at the moment is is that natural wine has become very fashionable. It's very mm-hmm. Instagrammable. It looks very beautiful, you know, with a you know a light background, all these you know orange colors, slightly cloudy colors, you know, and and so on. But I think you know bottling, and that's what's happened is that natural a lot of natural wines are bottled under clear glass at the moment, and mm. which is really not very good for the environment because you cannot produce a clear glass from recycled bottles. So wow. every time you buy a bottle of natural wine under clear glass, it means that, you know, yes, you're like embracing a movement that is very environmentally conscious and, you know, all, all that, but but you're also then saying, well, I don't care if people use recycled bottles or not. And, and you know, the growers uh... hate this because the bottles are a lot more expensive Obviously, yeah. they're a lot more costly to the environment, uh, but that's what the, the market demands. 
So I think we need to start driving uh, something a little bit smart, smarter, and I think we need to realize that this has a big impact. Um, so that's that's sort of a bit of, of of something, you know. If we could start changing that and not yeah put the growers in that situation, that'd be. But you know, equally, if a wine is bottled under clear glass, they'll sell ten ten times as 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 many bottles. So it's like this is what the market wants, but the the it's it's just a crazy idea. Yeah, I mean, look, we all know where the wine goes, right, and in, right into our down the gullet. The bottle, though, especially after a big night, you're like, oh wow, like this is a dozen glass bottles that need to get recycled and then not reused. So it's yep. it's got to be seen as a whole collective. Um, I know that you are also yeah. working on a series uh, with the BBC on soil, which I think is really interesting because. As we've seen in America a couple of years ago, there was a huge fire up north and a lot of wineries were affected and, and climate change and the environment. There's no way, especially with the natural wine, that's not going to have an effect on the industry. What are you focusing on in this documentary? Is climate change a part of it? How do you see the whole ecosystem changing, affecting the industry? Yes, you, you know, uh, so it's a series It's a series on soil. So it's, it's for the BBC World Service. Um, it's it's really about understanding the importance of you know what's underneath our feet um you know it's it's one of the most unknown universe it's teeming with life it's also incredibly fragile um and it's you know it's what is partly responsible for obviously feeding feeding the population it's also you know a huge um, storage of, of 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 carbon um which if left undisturbed you know is, is basically completely you know sequestered in, in 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 the soil so there's many many aspects to 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 soil and i think that the thing for me that i i'm really focusing on at the moment is 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 education um mm. i think it's all very well to to knock back a glass of wine and and you know sure. have a lot of pleasure for it and but you know we also need to think about what that glass of wine represents and and the farming conditions and and I think we need to start um asking more and more questions making sure that the wines really come from the the, the grapes used in that wine are really farmed properly um and the 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 idea behind the series is is actually not really a series about 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 wine. Um, you know, a few days ago I was up up north in in Scotland. I was mm-hmm. um, looking at a ten thousand year old forest, uh, basically wow. the the original forests in in England. You know, after the the glacial age, um, you know, sort of disappeared in in mm-hmm. in, in in Britain. Then forest grew and then we got rid of most of it but the whole mm. of the the islands would have been carpeted you know sure. with these amazing trees and then we dug the soil we tasted the soil and then we looked at you know how, how, how much life and and you know the, the 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 organic matter this sort of you know this the the, the fungi the, the the connections between the the the, the tree roots and, and in between it you know between trees and all of that web web of life um, is incredibly important, and so this series, what I'm hoping will maybe maybe I'm, I'm hoping that people will stop thinking that soil is dirt, that soil mm. is dirty, but that soil is is the the source of of of, of life, and that you know we have to protect it um, for for you know a lot of reasons, and I and I, I hope that people will start falling in love with it. And feel immense respect for for this world uh, that is completely 
you know, absent because we never see it, but actually delivers so much. Um, you know, even just like looking at your lawn and maybe not using weed killers or welcoming mm-hmm. different species mm-hmm. in your lawn because what you want is is you want a vibrant a vibrant lawn, you know, where which is alive and teeming with life underneath. But if you start using fungicides and other you know, weed killers and pesticides, and obviously you're, you're, you're killing life. So that's, that is, it's a really exciting series. Um, and we're, you know, I was, uh, that's why, you know, I was traveling to Bordeaux also mm. to look at what some, some growers were doing, um, talking to, you know, people like Susan Simard, who's work on trees is, is, is quite incredible. So. I yeah. mean, that's amazing. It'll, <laughs> yeah. It'll look, be out I'll, in, I'll... in August. Oh, in August. Oh, that's great. But I mean, we, um, we planted our first little garden in the back and just to see things sprout. I mean, the I mean, first off, I have a squash that's larger than my son that we just harvested. And you go like, oh, my God, it's so the connection is in the beauty, even just a small little patch of land. You go like, oh, this is great. This is great. And just to take care of it and to treat it with care is it's an important connection to have. And, um, it really is, you know, it really is. And, um, you know, I know there is, you know, people are, are aware of the amazing energy trees have and people, mm-hmm. you know, go around hugging trees. Um, but take your shoes off, you know, go and walk in the park barefoot, mm-hmm. uh, go in the forest barefoot and just yes. feel the connection and the energy. Put your hands in the soil, taste it. You know, it's incredible. You know, I never really, you know, we, we dug this hole in the forest and there were four strata and then we, we tasted our, our way through them. Uh, and it was incredibly salty, full of iron. Uh, you know, it was very, very much like fungu- fungus and, and almost, um, you know, like fresh fresh fungus, the top layer, because it was all this fresh matter that had just been, you know, decomposed. It was, it's, it's incredible, really incredible. That's amazing. So, look, I would be remiss if I didn't ask for some summer recommendations for wine. I know everyone goes to Rosé and that's <laughs> fine, but a couple of bottles that maybe we can get in the States if you're looking to have a nice a nice drink after you've put your feet through some soil and you've you've studied a little bit about where the wine comes from and, and had a little education. Back porch, sun setting, what are we drinking? Um... Gosh, uh, there is a, um, I mean, look, it's, that's a, you know, that's a tough call for anyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would, so some of the wines I've, 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 you know, recently like really loved, um, there is this Chilean, um, Chilean winery called Viñedos Herrera Alvarado, uh, in, in Marga Marga. Um, and they, they make, great wines uh, they, they even have a wine which has been uh, fermented in 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 in, in cow skin you know the way it was on in the 16th century when they had wow. nothing else but just cowhide um and they, they have this uh, they have this red wine which is i think it's called rojo loco um which is like 11 12 percent alcohol it's basically everything thrown in and it was really the way that you know they were making wine you know a long time ago is basically whatever was in the vineyard collected at the same time co-fermented and this like really vibrant juicy red you drink it slightly you drink it slightly chilled um you know mm-hmm. completely completely uh zero zero so that was that's um uh that you know that's a, a really fun fun wine but plenty of wine you know it's not just like a glue glue wine there's a lot of depth and complexity in there mm-hmm. um what else Maybe a white. Is there a white that you've been drinking during the summer? 
uh, yes, of course. I mean, millions. Um, there's a big there's, there's a winery I'm 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 uh, very fond of uh, in in um, and in fact they were in my inaugural um, ju- um, April. We started the club in April, so you know it's like only three, it's only been going three months. But there is a um, a winery in, in Andalusia in in the south of Spain called Mucha de Clapa. Mm. And they make they make wine with, with the Palomino grape, which is normally used for for Jerez, you know, for sherry. Um, but they make unfortified wine, um, and their their wines are a. They release their wines like now it's 2017, 2018. So oh, they wow. release their whites after you know I would say a decent amount of aging. Yeah, and the whites are. You know, they're like, it's like being completely kissed by the sea. You know, it's like, you know, when you're by the sea and you, 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 you've been for a swim and then you, you, you lick your lips and it's full of salt, of that really incredible salt. Um, there's almost that flaw, you know, which is what sherry is very typical of, typical of you know, that, that biological aging. So it's, it's there in the wine um, because it's there everywhere in, 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 the, in the region. I think, I think it's part of, of like the hallmark, uh, everything the whole farming is done, you know, using horse plowing is very gentle and the wines are incredible. You know, they really take a lot of time to open. They're salty, they're deep, uh, they're fresh, they're mineral. Um, but the, the more they sit in the glass, you know, there's the more layers uh, are coming through. So they, for me, they're really profound wines. Um, and, and, and they come yet from a very unusual parts of Spain, which is known for fortified, uh, you know, aperitif. Um mm. But uh, there's a new generation of, of, of growers in, in that part of the world who are reclaiming these amazing terroir and these amazing grapes and, and doing something which I think, in my, in my opinion, is actually uh, a lot more interesting than just putting everything in, in huge vats and, and, or in huge you know, in barrels and creating sherry because that's been the, the tradition. That's been done. Well, Isabel, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to chat with us. If people want to... Check out the Wine Club in the U.S., the Wine Shop in the U.K., get information on the festivals, all the amazing stuff you're doing, read some of your writing. Where can they go? So everything is is on our website. So it's rawwine.com, R-A-W-W-I-N-E.com. There'll be stuff about the club, the shop, but also we have an amazing learn section, uh, mm-hmm. which is our, our blog area. And we've just put, we organized recently a, a big digital conference on, on the, the life of plants and how plants are alive. And I have we have about 35 hours of wow. amazing speakers, Susan Simard, uh, you know, really top writers. And everything is available online now to be streamed. Uh, this incredible content, all the videos are there. So, so there's a, a lot, a lot of, a lot of info there. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me on the program. Oh my God. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me at the fair. I can't wait to come back when you're in LA. Um, we have a we'll song. There in... the... Oh, well, you'll be there when? Yeah, we'll be there in November. So we're back in November. Mm-hmm. Yep, November will be fantastic. Um, we have a song from the archives and then a live performance here on Snacky Tunes on hrn.org. Yeah, yeah. Rising. I say 
This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca, helping you to plan your next getaway. Ithaca has waterfalls and wineries, art and theater, outdoor recreation, and family fun. The area is famous for its glacier-carved gorges, co-op-run businesses, and cultural influences from Cornell University and Ithaca College. The area is well-known for its local cideries, which are leading the way in America's cider revival. You can hear from the region's cider makers directly on HRN's series Hardcore. There is something really special about Ithaca's climate for cultivating delicious apples steeped in history and terroir. The second season of Hardcore is out now. You can learn all about apples and fermentation and dive into how cider makers and their communities are working to create an equitable industry 
and one that is resilient to climate change. Listen to Hardcore on your favorite podcast app. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods at a family-owned and operated distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. 818 is created from fully matured blue agave from the Los Altos and Valles regions of tequila. It is then slow cooked for over 30 hours, extracted using traditional Tahona wheels, distilled twice in copper pot stills, and aged in American and French oak barrels. This process creates the best tasting, highest quality tequila possible. Their tequilas have received over 20 blind tasting awards. They strive for excellence in every sip. 818's Blanco is sweet and smooth, with undertones of tropical and citrus fruits. Their Reposado is soft and balanced with notes of caramel and vanilla. Their Añejo is elegant and velvety, with crisp herbal notes and a warm vanilla finish. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their tequila and find it near you. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York, 40% alcohol by volume. Drink responsibly. We got Walt live in studio. Welcome, boys. Hello, thank you. Uh, it's good to have you here on this uh, early August breezy weekend. Um, what's really great about the project uh, is that there's a really strong aesthetic that comes with what you're doing, and I'm curious where that comes from and what some of your influences are. Um, I suppose it's... Uh from certain theatrics, I'm not sure. Um, I like uh, sequins and and, and uh, extravagant garments, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, for more, more than anything, it's just to have a bit of fun, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know that you part of the upcoming release in the fall is a feature-length film. Where did the inspiration for that come, and how did you put that together uh, in connection with the album? Well, the album was done first. We tracked. Um, upstate New Paltz with uh, Kevin McMahon and we uh, so we had like 12 tracks and then we uh, started to develop video content and then it sort of grew into this monstrosity um, 65 minute VHS film so it sort of started with a small piece and then eventually um, became much bigger you know what was the decision to jump from like okay we'll do a small thing to like yeah we're gonna just set this whole thing to, to video hmm yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those things that just sort of happened over time as it developed. I, it felt a little cheap to just put off a couple tracks as videos. We felt more inspired to make a, a full-length sort of body of work that we could sort of, you know, really tell a few different stories in, in, instead of just kind of making videos for the singles. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a, a few clips for the upcoming movie, but what are the what are some of the stories that you're focusing on? For the videos, or what's the narrative that you're telling? Yeah, it's a little strange. I suppose essentially it's a it's a workout exercise manual, um, sort of set in 1984. Uh, so it's one of those uh, th- sort of throwback pop. Um, yeah, it's a collection, I suppose, of, of, of uh, VHS is essentially the the focus point for me. It was like really sort of creating something that was a piece of time you know and something that i appreciated from that era like i I like those old really hyper cheesy visuals that come with the 80s you know so Mm -hmm. we kind of essentially built this 65 minute um version of that 
Uh, any particular favorite exercises that came from that, or exercises that didn't work, that didn't make the cut? <laughs> well, the uh, the um, the I'm trying to think of the name of the tool. The thigh master was one of the highlights for me personally. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was exciting. It's actually quite difficult. Is it really? Oh yeah. They make it look so easy on TV. No, it's not easy at all. It's very What's, difficult. What are some of the tips for using the thigh master? As um, a pro now, control, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they're just—they're not very stable. It's very sort of, you, you know, you'd imagine that it'd just be a matter of sort of control and motion, and it's not the case. It's the things are very, very janky. You end up sort of doing more damage than good. And I'm, this is not uh, supporting the thigh master in any way. But I, I, uh, I do. You know, it was—it was a good thing to try. It looks good. That's the main thing for us. It was—it was more of a visual. Visually, it's stunning. I would think that the rubber on the skin would hold it in place. Yeah, but then you get sweaty, you see, and then it starts to slide out of place, and then, you, you know, and then it just, it ends up like, like a spring. Yeah. It's actually quite dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well, why don't we hear a, hear a song, and why don't you tell us what uh, exercise our listeners should be doing while listening to the song? Well, why not try the thigh master to this one? Okay, great. Uh, and you're listening to Waltz Live on Snacky Tunes. Awesome. Hope no one got injured out there with a thigh master. 
Uh, so I know that you recorded the record upstate. Uh, what was the process like and being a bit removed from the, the city and putting the record together? It was the middle of winter and miserable <laughs> in that sense. Although great at the same time. However, it was very uh, cold. Um, so it was, we, we, ended up, we were tracking to tape, which is just not worth it. Um, but... Yeah, so you, we had like 15 minutes in, 15 minutes out, just to kind of warm up uh, mm-hmm. physically. But uh, it was one of those things where we, uh, we, we, you know, we dealt with it. It was just very, very cold. Uh, <laughs> and the producer had budgets on heat, heat allowance. Really? Yeah, he wasn't really too comfortable. He kept on... We'd, we'd, he'd come back. We'd, we were sleeping there. It was a, it's a barn, so it's a large barn. We'd How long we got there for? About a week, I think. Um, and he'd sort of sneak back in and just check if we had the heaters on or not because he is a like dead of the night like we'd walk in and just see if the oh yeah just popping in just to make sure you know like hey guys brought you some beers and I uh, just want to make sure that just, yeah. yeah it looks we agreed at 72 it looks like it's at 78 we're just going to knock this uh, no he just he basically wouldn't allow it to be on in the first place so. but it was one of those old you know those really expensive yeah electric ones so uh but for i mean saying recording to tape i mean now having gone through the process do you say it's not worth it now and that you if you did do it all again you would just go digital or it was good to do and it's good to go i mean we were under the impression that we were we were listening to mixes from the tape sessions and it wasn't until like a few months ago that we were the the producer was like you know these are all digital bouncers and we're like what do you what do you mean he's (laughs) like well yeah, your tape was shedding and it wasn't worth. And I'm like, well, you didn't tell us. Oh, you didn't. You didn't let us know. But uh, yeah. So I mean, in comparison, I think it's it was good exercise wise <clears throat> to uh, have the 15 minute sort of blocks, you know, where you sort of on and then you can sort of, you know, it's more pr- uh, execution based performance for me, you know, as in like we're rolling, you know, as you got 15 minutes to to do a job and then you can, you know, reset. So that was good. I mean, the digital recording process I haven't really delved in too too deeply, um, in a in a big like sort of production sense. Um, but having unlimited time sometimes can be dangerous, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer that constraints really push creativity. So you know, recording a tape in the dead of winter probably is a little bit different different than like summer upstate digital, just like long lazy days type of vibe. Yeah, although that sounds good. <laughs> it, yes, second one. Next time. Next time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I do think that there is something about the cold that just really just you know accelerates like hunkering down and really kind of diving into it as opposed to like just a lazy, endless kind of meandering of time. Yeah, it's definitely it's time to show up and work, and and that was that was good. That we, you know we got a we got a good result because of that. You know, how many uh, takes were you able to do per song given the according to tape? I think we we tried for like four or five um you know you generally we got a good we had a clue you know when when you know we had a good idea when we uh when we when we had something we liked we we moved on maybe got another try but then we generally just kind of kept it moving you know got it um all right well let's hear another song all right uh what is the exercise to be done to this one the exercise to be done to this one is what? Cross dressing. Oh, excellent exercise. That's a that is a a very 
Tasty exercise. Yeah.
Brad, who's Caroline? Ooh, <laughs> Caroline is... Um... Fictional character, I suppose. Um... Caroline is a mess. <laughs> yeah, Caroline is a... She's a beautiful lady. Um, but a... A lady of mystery and a lady of wealth. But, uh, she's a definite mess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you have a show coming up August 12th. What can the audience expect? Yeah, we're playing, um... At Rough Trade, August 12th. The audience can expect some entertainment. Um, it should be a good night. We're, we're really excited about it. We've, we've, um... Yeah, we've got a we've got a fun show that we're excited to you know bring. Is there a, if you can encourage the audience to participate in any way? How would you expect them, or what would you ask of them? Um, well, I suppose. Yeah, what what would you suggest, Ian? Just maybe some G bangers. And yeah, you can bring your own weights. Bring bring weights, G bangers, and thigh masters. We will have an aerobics um, prelude, and uh, we will uh, we will basically be uh, be uh, scrapping the show and 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 working out. It's the biggest hustle. There's actually just show up with just a suitcase full of weights. Yeah, that's that is it. If you show up with a suitcase full of weights, we will. Let you in for nothing. Oh, and you can join us on stage. That is a that's a good deal. Uh, so I want to make sure that we have, <laughs> we have time to get one more uh, song in. But uh, when can people expect the record out and the the film out, and how can they uh, follow along to make sure they don't miss it? Well, we're going to put the film and record out in in full. So you know, late sort of September, October. Um, and yeah, you can follow us online. We've got a bunch of um, websites that you can surf and gather gather important information. Um, and uh, yeah, we're basically yeah you, you can you can track us down on there, and then you know, never, where, where never, is that? Never miss a beat. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, um, the name, uh, the <laughs> name of the Facebook. Jeez, uh, t- uh, we're on Facebook. <laughs> All right, we've well, established that we are. I think it's I am Waltz. Okay, it's the Facebook uh, landing page, and you can go down the rabbit hole from there. You can definitely find it out, or you can go to Waltz for Life with a four, not a F. L Y F E, just yeah. to make sure you totally miss it. You can't up. find it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thanks for joining us. Thanks to Emily for helping set this up. Thank you to The Infatuation. Shout out to Darren, Anna, Ornella, Mom, Dad, Joe, whoever else is out there. Uh, What are you going to take us out with? This is a new song called Water Park, and it features a fourth member. And she sounds like this.
seems to have lost his leg but apparently he's keen to sign on for the second season China Tunes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.